Welcome back. You are listening to Tuned In with Intersys, hosted by Johnny Romero. This is episode number four, interview with Thomas Farkas of CCHCP. Enjoy. Thanks, Thomas, for joining me today. I know that it's been actually crazy. It's been almost uh, a year, or probably just a year right now, since we last spoke and saw each other um, by by Zoom on the uh, training of trainers, which was awesome. And uh, I've been enjoying being a trainer for the Bridging the Gap program. So um, thank you and welcome. And so, yeah, uh, you know, I always like to ask uh, what kind of coffee since you're in Seattle, Washington, for, for those that are watching us here. Um, the home of Starbucks, right? Is that where Starbucks? So not to say that you have to be biased, but uh, what, what is your preference of coffee? Are you a coffee drinker? Is it decaffeinated, caffeinated? And how do you take your coffee? Yeah, when I saw this question, I was uh, I was thinking you're going to run into a tea drinker at one point. <laughs> <laughs> won't be that person. I did drink coffee until I was like 22, 23 is when I started. And yeah. I think it was all influenced by when I was living in Europe. Um, so the type of coffee I like to drink, it sometimes kind of makes me sound like a snob, but I like espresso. I don't really like drip coffee. I just like espresso. So the good thing about Seattle is we do have a little place called Starbucks. You might have heard of but there's also a ton of local coffee shops. Um, I think Seattle is one of those coffee cities. So I have a couple of local coffee shops that I like to go down to, but I always get the same thing. It's always a double shot with two sugars. Very good, very good, excellent. And I will introduce you to everybody. I know there's gonna be uh, also on your screen, you'll be seeing who I'm interviewing. It is Thomas Farkas. He is with the CCHCP. Took me a long time to memorize that acronym, but it stands for the Cross-Cultural Healthcare Program. And you are in Seattle, Washington, uh, and you're, you haven't been there uh, forever, actually. So you, you and I have actually met uh, initially here in Denver, Colorado, where I'm located. And uh, maybe you can share a little bit of that history, but what it's like living in Seattle in comparison to other places you've lived. I know you've also been outside of Colorado as well, and you're multilingual. So um, that was a lot, but feel free to share what you feel comfortable with. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I mean, um, I welcome everyone to read my bio. I have my bio all over the internet now, I feel like with all these conferences that I'm at. Yes, you most recently uh, presented at the annual meeting for the National Council of Interpreters in Healthcare which can be found at ncihc.org. And you also have a bio on the CCACP website, which is xculture.org. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit how we connected. Yeah, you and I met when I was living in Denver. Um, and that's where a lot of my family lives. Um, originally, I was born in Hungary. Um, and then I moved to Colorado um, because that's where my family was. After that, I went to Switzerland for a while uh, for college. And then I also lived in Puerto Rico. Um, then I went back to Denver. That's when we met, when I started working at the Spring Institute. Um, that's where I started working with interpreters. That's where I started getting into this field. Um, and then I, after working at Spring for, I think I was there for five years, four years, 
um, I got an opportunity to come to Seattle. And I've always wanted to live in Seattle. I think I always had this romantic, um, rainy city idea of what it would be like, which of course is always different than the reality. But um, that's why I was excited to come here. And I liked um, the opportunity that I had to be part of CCHCP. And uh, <clears throat> as we go through the conversation, you'll see I've become very good at um, at all of the acronyms because this entire field is just so many acronyms. So once we start talking about some of the other companies, it's just CCCPCHC. <laughs> yeah, a lot of tongue twisters for sure. Like I, I had to practice uh, quite a bit. It, it does get easy though, to your point. So. Yeah, you, you get used to it. But sometimes when uh, me and my coworkers talk to each other, we try to do entire sentences and just acronyms, right? Like AKA. <laughs> so when you made the move to Seattle, you mentioned that it was kind of romanticized in your mind. Um, was it close to what you envisioned? Was it different? Um, and if so, in what way? Yeah, I think... I don't want to say I expected it to be like the perfect place. Um, I had come here when I took the training of trainers. Um, and that was the first time I'd been to Seattle. And I loved how green it was. I loved the weather. It was, it was always so cool and rainy. Um, and that's what drew me to it. And then when I got here, um, summertime here is amazing. It usually doesn't really get much hotter than 90 degrees at max. Um, and there's a lot of lakes, there's a lot of the ocean, so you can go swimming all the time. So I love that. That was my first summer here. Um, and then I got to my first winter, which I didn't realize how far north Seattle was, or that cities this far north experience a lot less sunlight. So in summertime right now, the sun is up to like 1030, like almost 11. It's still like kind of light out. Oh, wow. Um, in the winter time, <laughs> the sun sets at like four o'clock. It's like, oh, boy. That's so, a big, big swing. <laughs> exactly. And then on top of it, it's like four months of rain. So it's rain and darkness. So I wasn't ready for the rain and darkness and how that seasonal affective disorder actually can affect people. So I think that's sure. something that I wasn't aware of how much that would affect me. I recognize that it probably would, but not how much. Um, and then I think the toughest part that I didn't foresee was the Seattle freeze, so to say. Um, right. Have you heard about the Seattle freeze? I have not. Explain it to me. It's, cultural phenomenon. So I want to make sure as we talk about this, I'm not identifying any individuals. It's just a cultural thing that I've read about and to some degree, I would say experienced. Um, but it's this idea that um, people in Seattle are a little bit colder or take a little bit longer to warm up to you. So that people who come to Seattle kind of experience the Seattle freeze where they have a hard time making friends or connecting with people and strangers seem kind of distant. Um, Understood. Yeah. I don't think every individual is like that. I've met plenty of nice people, but I think in general in public settings, that's kind of the way people tend to operate. Yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. And, and coming from the East Coast myself, because I'm from Pennsylvania, and then making the transition to Colorado, it was kind of the reverse of that, where in the East Coast, um, they are uh, in comparison, uh, a little colder. And as far as, you know, being hospitable or let's say um, openly, you know, um, you know, giving salutations and things like that, where I came to Colorado, kind of accustomed to that. And, and here, it, as you know, everyone's kind of like, oh, how are you? I like 
I like that shirt. I like your tie. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's, you know, I'm not used to that. <laughs> People are noticing those things. So um, yeah, that's, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. And, and again, there's always exceptions not to paint uh, a broad brush on any area, but um, I think it is definitely little microcosms of cultural uh, differences that are particular to different parts of the country. It's just, uh, and I think um, there is probably a correlation in my opinion of the weather and all those conditions that um, have an effect whether they're subliminal or recognized, I think that's definitely um, part of it. Um, yeah, there's some interesting articles that talk about the Seattle freeze and what it is and whether it exists or not, um, but they compare it to kind of Nordic cultures too, where there's also this kind of social distance that's required and respect for silence and things like that. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, now I'm scared when I go back to Denver <laughs> that I'm not <laughs> doing things right anymore because I think, oh, I'm being respectful. I'm giving your social distance. I'm not talking, I'm respecting silence, but that's the opposite or not the opposite there, but generally people um, want to talk to you. Right, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, talking about your time in Puerto Rico a little bit, since my family's from Puerto Rico, I figure I might as well talk a little bit about that. I'm curious of um, how long you were there I know we've, we've talked about that in the past, but just uh, for those tuning in um, and the culture, you know, it, it is part of the US. A lot of people uh, that I've encountered have always gotten that confused. It is a little confusing that it's a commonwealth, not a state. And then um, they're not sure where it's located, which is in the Caribbean. But um, what was your experience there? And, and what uh, did you like the most about your, your time on the island? It was amazing. Um, I, I always like wherever I travel. I think people have asked me before, what is your favorite place that you've traveled? And I think whatever the current one that I'm at is. Um, but when I went to Puerto Rico, same thing, I had all these idealized ideas of the beach and the music and all of that, which it lived up to its name. There were beaches, there was amazing music. Um, I went there because I wanted to learn more about Latin culture, I wanted to become more fun. I felt like the reserved European, kind of very Seattle freezy. And I wanted to go and be like the warm uh, Spanish speakers that I had met before. And originally my intention was to try to go somewhere in South America. However, with uh, Puerto Rico being part of the United States, it was a lot easier to go there and get a job so that I could stay there for longer. Um, what I didn't realize was the social element that played into it. And I think that was a really important thing that drives me to do this work that I do here. Um, not just because of my own experiences as an immigrant, but also seeing how people living in the same country cannot have access to the same types of facilities. So I kind of imagined going to the Caribbean would be, oh, just great, everyone's so happy. And what I realized was there's a, there was a lot of social distress about the relationship with the United States and about my presence there as a white mainlander um, taking jobs that could have been given to Puerto Ricans. And I honestly feel really privileged to have met people who were able to share that viewpoint with me because I think a lot of people go there on vacation and they see it and they say, oh, this is paradise, it's beautiful. What you don't see is that everyday struggle of, of the people who live there every day and the opportunities that aren't available to them because they're not exactly part of the United States. Um, so I think that was, I don't wanna say the best part, but that was the biggest realization that was the most impactful part for me. Yeah, very interesting. Oh yeah, and uh, 
a lot of coffees, uh, obviously drinkers in, in, in Puerto Rico, a lot of espresso. Um, I'll share a little bit what I usually drink. I, I, I do vary. I do drink different versions of espresso. Uh, right now, this is actually La Llave. It's, uh, and it's actually one that I believe Cafe Versailles in Miami uses. And that's why we purchased it. We buy it online. Um, and it's in a green container. But up in my, my go-to usually is Bustelo. Um, I drink Hold a lot up. of that. Hold on one second. Yeah, sure. No problem. Where is that? There you go. You mean this one? <laughs> That's it, yeah. This it's one actually is from Puerto Rico. This one I brought from Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Yaucono. Yaucono, yeah. That's the one I drink there. Yeah, very, very nice. Um, so, yeah, and... and um, you know, usually one thing that uh, I, I did live there myself, even though I grew up in Pennsylvania, like I mentioned, my family's from Puerto Rico. So I lived there from 98 to 2000. Um, and I really, um, one thing I miss is all of the bakeries that are literally almost like in every other block. And you just wake up in the morning and you smell the fresh bread being baked. And a very typical to go and get your loaf for the morning or for the day. Um, I just, that little simplicity and just very kind of make you feel part of the community and um, with your coffee. And then, you know, all I can, I can actually visualize myself there, the smells of everything, you know, and usually there's some type of wood burning because sometimes they, they cook a lot outside. So um, whenever I smell wood burning, it reminds me of, of on the island. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, very typical and a lot of good coffee. Uh, obviously that we have in common. So very, very nice. Switching gears a little bit into um, the CCHCP and what they are doing and um, how I've been, uh, been able to collaborate, obviously now as a trainer of one of the, the courses that is offered. Maybe you can just share a little bit of uh, what drew you to go from Colorado to Seattle to, to work for the organization and a little bit about the history. Please like and subscribe and don't forget to smash that bell to stay tuned in and receive notifications.